Hello everyone and welcome. I'm Dr Hester Wilson, a GP and addiction medicine specialist. This morning we're going to be talking about gaming and gambling in young people. Now I don't know about you but it's not uncommon for me to see concerned parents and carers in my general practice who are worried about their children and young people uh, and the amount of time that they're spending uh, gaming uh, and they're concerned about the risks from that. Today I'm joined by Kate Fennessy, who is a gambling counsellor and expert on issues around gambling. And we're going to be talking to her about uh, how we as GPs um, can respond um, when this is raised in our general practice setting. Hello, Kate. It's lovely to have you here with us today. Hi, Hester. Very pleased to be joining you. This morning we're going to be talking about um, video gaming in young people. And I don't know about you, but it's certainly an issue that comes up in my life with my kids, but also in my patients, pe parents coming in and saying, Look, I'm just really concerned about my child and about their, their video gaming um, and the activities that they're taking part in as part of that video gaming. Kate, just can you tell us a little bit about um, gaming and gambling and how it can affect young people? Yes, Hester, um, this is an area that is always emerging um, and it's new to me. I feel like I learn something new every month from my patients. Uh, so, you know, this, this isn't traditional gambling, so it doesn't feel like it's within my traditional ballpark, but I'm very pleased to be joining you here today. There, there have been some Australian studies and some international studies that really show there is a link between, get, you know, video games and the gaming components, uh, the gambling components that are within video games and gambling. So gambling, a good definition that I like to use is the risking of something of value for the chance to win something of greater value. Um, so it's on the outcome of chance events and different jurisdictions have slightly different definitions, which has made it tricky to regulate this area. And there's always a new technology coming in. Um, but there has been shown to be, and certainly when you go into some of the video games, they have sort of social casinos within the games that look like casino table games or slot machines. Uh, but there's lots of different ways in which the, the gaming space and the gambling, traditional gambling spaces are converging. So, yeah, so, so um, kids will talk about loot boxes or want to in-app purchases. Like how, how, does, how, do, how is that actually gambling? I mean, I understand you're saying that it's, it's, it's a game of chance. And I, look, I, and I know young people and people who game would say it's not chance, it's actually skill. You know, and me being a, I'm very bad at this, and I can never get past level one of anything. Um, you know, so so it is skill. But that's but what you're talking about here is that the experiences that can happen within that that are actually about chance. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I think they call it surprise mechanics in the in the gaming world. But it is, you know, it's something that you can't predict. Um, that's a chance event that you you do pay to play. So, for example. Um, loot boxes in games like Fortnite or Overwatch. They are caches that you happen a, a, across and you open and inside will be some random tokens. It could be um, armour or things that you are useful to you in the game. It could be things that really don't advance you too much in the game that you already have a thousand of. Um, but you pay, you put money in, just a nominal amount. It's around one US dollar per loot box as far as I understand it. And you might, it's a pay scale, so it's a more attractive to buy 50 loot boxes than it is to buy five. 
Um, when regulators look at that, that's in itself is not actually gambling, but you can take those elements, take them across to another platform and wager them with other players for the chance to win something of greater value or actually to win money. So those two things together constitute gambling. Um, it's also true, unfortunately, that lots of the games have been purchased by producers of slot machines here in Australia. So they're using some elements that keep capture people's attention and keep people's attention um, on the on the game. Uh, they use some of those like gambling elements within the video games. It doesn't mean that technically it's gambling where you're where you're wagering something each time and getting a prize each time. So Kate, tell us. Um... When would I know as a parent that it's becoming a problem for my child? When, when does this stop being an, you know, an engaging pastime and become an issue? Well, I think some forms are more problematic than others. I think it's good to keep the perspective that most people who game, the kids who game, uh, do so unproblematically. Um, there's a proportion of people that will move to more problematic forms of gambling. I guess if it's a problem for the parents, then it's a problem. But also when your child is becoming, say, preoccupied and it's filling up a lot of their headspace, they're thinking about their next gaming session when they can get away to game, they're gaming at the exclusion of other things that they used to enjoy, that's problematic. You know, the teen years and early 20s are so valuable in terms of a range of social interactions and experiences. And again, I'm not talking about during COVID or particular context during lockdown, but just in, in general life mm. <laughs> so that preoccupation is definitely a sign the second one is a bit of a loss of control so they they game for longer than they intended to um, or when they cut down or stop they find it really tricky to do that or they have a withdrawal syndrome when they do achieve that uh, and the third group of things to look out for are I guess negative bad things happening in in the in your child's life or your patient's life um, as a result, direct result of the gaming. So that could be things like losing money if it's gambling-related gaming. Um, but it could also be that your, you know, your friendships are affected or there's problems at school or problems at home. There could be problems with physical health or psychological health as a result of the gaming. Mm, mm. Out for. So for a parent, you're not going to be able to see all those things, but if your child's looking very low, disconnected from friends or um, you know, very preoccupied. There's some some things to look out for there. So, as a GP, I don't particularly. It's not the young people saying coming to me saying, "Look, I've got a problem." No. It's, it's the parents or the carers saying, "We're really worried." So, how can I have a conversation, or how can I assist the people that I'm seeing to have good conversations with the young people in their lives that they're worried about? I suppose anyone who's been an adolescent or knows an adolescent, <laughs> knows that just saying no um, probably is not going to be too effective. So if you've got the parents and the adolescent in your rooms together, my top tip is just to allow for a range of perspectives to be heard as much as possible, as much as your consultation time allows. Um, but for the parents, having them understand what are the positives for that child of the game. You know, there are social positives, there are things about mastery and self-esteem, um, uh, and also to understand, is their child worried about anything? Do they think it's taking over? Um, so having a bit of an open conversation where, where the parent can therefore share what they're worried about and what their concerns are and what they're noticing in their child. Mm -hmm. So you talked before about the preoccupation, um, talked about it taking over 
life and becoming more important than other things, getting in the way of other activities, um, and that it might actually affect a, a child's health and well-being. So I'm kind of thinking as a GP, I'm, I, I would kind of run through that and, and get them to think about, you know, okay, so with your, with your child, um, and it is more common in boys, am I right in thinking that? I think it's a lot more common in boys at the moment, yeah, and that might, that might be something that changes over time. So we might look at our, our young girls actually catching up. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just thinking um, if I'm talking to parents and, and about their perhaps their son, asking them to think through how do you think it is adversely affecting him? Um, you know, how's his sleep? How's his appetite? How's his mood? How is he interacting with friends? Um, how much time is he spending? And is he able to kind of stop doing that and come back to other activities? Is he still doing his sport? Is he still doing his study? You know, so it's all it's all that stuff around how is it actually affecting his life? Because it can it it, it is a difficult thing because those games are really engaging and they're about skill and they're and and but there's also this aspect that I think that they do um, you know with the loot bags and the and the in app purchases and and the gambling aspects that sit in them do have do do that I'm, I'm not sure that I can describe it and Kate you'd be much better at it but that just they change the way your brain works in terms of your your sense of of success um you know that that thing of if you get 50 of them you, you score more than if you get one when when um, parents are talking to their child it's also really good to be aware that if things have become taking over to that extent that perhaps it could be an addiction, which is only a small proportion of people who game, that that actually might come with lying or hiding how much um, the adolescent is playing the game. So uh, you're also wanting to get a sense of the function of what that game gives that person. So you mentioned a few things about feeling winning, you know, feeling that sense of mastery and self-esteem, like they, they're really good at this. Um they might be playing to ease bad moods and feelings or to escape from problems. And, and that's something that we want to see in a bigger context. You know, we, we want um, adolescents to be developing coping skills and self-regulation skills outside avoidance. Avoidance is something that we all use or immersing yourself in a virtual reality space. I mean, I'm sure we all use that too, but adolescence is a time for really broadening that out. So this is an opportunity if gaming is taking over, it's an opportunity to explore how do we limit this so that you have the opportunity to, to still de be developing your self, I suppose. Um, the, the, sorry, and the other thing that is really tricky here is that what, what parents may find is when they try and talk to their child about, I'm worried about your, your, your gaming, that the child will become mm. defensive. Um, and no, no, it's all right, mum, don't worry about it. You know, and, uh, and, and I guess it's how can a parent gently have a conversation? And so it's, it's I guess it's that thing around um, the whole adolescent story of, of wanting autonomy and wanting to move away and be in control and not having parents control what they do. But at what point does that then, is that actually a, a sign of a, an addiction or a sign of a problem that they're, they're just focusing on that? And how does a parent tell the difference? That's a very tricky thing, sort of, because every family and every family dynamic is different. But you're absolutely right, Hester, that when trying to place limits, that can become quite fiery and it can be quite difficult. And parents really want mm. to know that they're doing the right thing for their child. So 
gaming addiction has been defined by the ICD-11, which mm. is the um, International Classification of Diseases Omnibus, and it does go through some criteria there. And there's been evidence to show that questions based on those criteria can really tell um you know whether or not there's a presence of an addiction i'm not necessarily encouraging parents to go and diagnosing their child but but that can be serve as a sort of checklist where parents can say look this is getting to be a real problem let's go along and get some professional assistance if we can't set limits that we can agree on and maintain over time the limits might be something like look that's fine but you're not using my credit card details um and that involves going through the very difficult process as far as i understand it of extracting your credit card from some of these games (laughs) Um, or it might be a time limit and trying to put that in place um, and maintain that over time you do want some buy-in with the adolescent and that's that's the tricky thing is you're identifying. So trying to join them in an open conversation, trying to see what the benefits of the game is and trying to help them to feel heard is always going to help. Yeah, so I think what I'm thinking about that is I would be saying to the parent or carer, really make it clear that you love and care for your child and you want the best for them and, and you're concerned I, maybe another thing is to actually um, engage with them around what is good about the game. Show me how this game works. What do you enjoy about it? What are the good things? Uh, but also understanding that it 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 does need to have a time limit so that you can engage in all the other important things in your life. So really trying to trying to um, understand that there are positives, but also that there do need to be some limits. And as you said, Kate, really importantly, if you're not able to resolve it, then seeking um, professional support and assistance to help you and your your family sort this. Um, There are some useful resources um, available. Can you tell us a little bit more about those, Kate, through Gamble Aware? Yeah, there are some resources on research conducted in Australia on the Gamble Aware website, and that really looks to lots of those different forms of gambling, which can be really hard, um, gambling and gaming convergence, which can be tricky for parents and clinicians to understand. So there's some fact sheets, I believe, on the website. Um, if there are other gaming-related concerns like cyberbullying through in-game chat and things like that, the Office of the eSafety Commissioner is a really good place to start there as well. Um, If we feel like it's a little bit more like social or online casinos or Bitcoin games or it's more of a gambling focus, uh, there are referral options there on the GambleAware website for young people and families to access assistance there. And if things are very severe, then sometimes the public health, um, if it's gaming and things are severe, then the public health or private clinicians um, can assist there. So GPs knowing their referral pathways and having a relatively low bar for referring on uh, if there's help available in your local area. Yeah, and and certainly Gamble Aware is available all around um, New South Wales, both online and in person. So Kate works in South East Sydney, but there are around the other areas of New South Wales, there there are fantastic um, sites that can support our patients. One of the things for us in general practice is um, thinking about gambling and actually asking our patients about gambling. Um, And it's really important for us as GPs to to ask that question and to to know where to refer. Kate, I just had a question around, so my my son might be playing Fortnite and he's he's 
getting his loot boxes and there's some gambling in that that's you know it's it's risking it's about luck and and risking something for something greater value so that there is some gambling there what if he does that does that increase his risk of having a gambling problem as an older person some of these things are pretty new hester so when a new technology lands, we don't get to see the harms of it over time immediately. Um, I just want to clarify that loot boxing, you know, loot boxes, it's random and it's exciting. That in itself is not gambling. You do pay for that. Um, and I think that makes the, the game faster and I, I guess gamers would say more exciting to have loot boxes. But that in and of itself does not mean that your child is, is gambling. Um, there are certain online platforms where people can trade skins or trade items from loot boxes uh, and there are other uh, there are other online platforms where people can wager and that is gambling and that is you know the chance to win something of greater value or to even win money that you can extract in kind of a paypal um, in a paypal transaction there are also casinos virtual casinos in games which are can give the illusion of winning. So you, you play for free or you have a nominal amount to play a lot of games and you win a huge amount of credits and you can feel um, you're third on the leaderboard and that really inflates um, perceptions of mastery and an illusion of control over the game. And so for some people, those types of casino, um, free casinos can lead to, you know, if if I'm paying to play, I may as well pay for the chance to win money and that, that can lead to gaming as well. Should I be concerned as a parent if my child is is playing those games and there might be some some in-game gambling? Is that going to increase their risk of having gambling problems as they grow older? Well, the short answer, Hester, is that we don't know because these are new technologies and over time... Um, there, these are new technologies and therefore uh, we're, we're not across the harm for the person in their over their lifetime. But certainly from a proportion of young people who do play these games are at risk of moving on to paid forms of gambling, yes. And I've heard experts in this field suggest that parents actually, and I know parents have a lot on their plate, but parents actually sit down with their teenager and either watch them play for a length of time or play the game with them for a length of time to really get across what are the different aspects to the game. The gambling components might only be few and far between. So you do need, you know, this, that one or two hours of watching this game to see um, if there's anything that you should be concerned about. But that's one tip that I've heard. Well, thank you, Kate. That's been really, really useful. I guess just a, a, a summary, how, how would you summarise this? What would be your important takeaways? I think, you know, it's a very helpful, useful conversation and certainly our primary care physicians are in an excellent position to assist families to um, ensure that their their young people are, are gaming um, in a safe and happy manner ongoing without the risk of, you know, slipping into problematic gambling on, on monetary forms. So thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Kate. That's really brilliant. So just flagging once again that Gamble Aware is the statewide um, organisation that provides gambling treatment for people over the age of 18 and for their families as well, confidential and free, and it's available online and in person. It doesn't provide care for people under the age of 18, 
Um, however, there is some um, information up on the Gambler Aware website, some fact sheets and some information about the risks and harms. And if you do have an under 18 age patient who has your concerned has has issues, Headspace is a good place to start. There are also some um, of the state funded mental health services and private providers who may be able to assist. Thank you so much and have a great day.